Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 62 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union. Better known by all of us by now is just simply DCU. They've been in my life for decades and, well, they're just DCU. And whether you're driving off a lot or refinancing, DCU can help you save on your next auto loan with rates as low as 1.49% APR. Learn more at dcu.org slash auto. Insured by NCUA, membership required. Let me say that again. Auto loans with rates as low as 1.49% APR. Just log on to dcu.org slash auto. And huge thanks to DCU for always being Team Mistress Carrie. Every time I have a wacky idea, they are always there, and I love having them be part of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with me, Blue Chew. And they're making waves by bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Tablets that help men achieve harder, stronger erections to battle all forms of erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so there's no need to visit the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. And here's a special deal. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code MILKSHAKE at checkout. All you have to do is pay five bucks in shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code MILKSHAKE, and you'll receive your first month free. Okay, this week's guest barely needs an introduction. His name is Dee Snyder, and, well, basically, that's all you have to say. He's the lead singer of Twisted Sister, but that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what Dee Snyder is. He's a renaissance man. He's a solo artist, a radio host, a writer, a husband, a father, a director, an actor, a business owner, a political activist a proud New Yorker, and that barely scratches the surface. I say it in this episode of the podcast, the word that describes him the best is unapologetic. D. Snyder is D. Snyder, and you can take it or leave it. I was so happy that he found the time in his very busy schedule to sit down and talk to me. He's got a new solo album out called Leave a Scar. It's his fifth solo record. And we talked about a lot of stuff, family and work ethic. We talked about the impact of hard rock and heavy metal, and we stuck our toe in a little bit of politics. I even asked him about Tipper Gore. He's been married for over 45 years, so he has definitely got some important marriage advice to share. We talked about his new album and about songwriting, and I even got him to say some nice things about Tom Brady. It's important to note that we had this conversation before D. Snyder came out and confirmed that he had tested positive for COVID-19. I made sure that I was extra caffeinated before we got on this call because you need all the caffeine you can get to keep up with the one and only D. Snyder. So pour yourself an extra cup and get ready. Allow me to introduce you to the one and only D. Snyder.
Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Mr. Motherfucking D. Snyder. Yes. Great introduction. Love that. I Hi. had an extra coffee because I knew I was going to talk to you today, and you're sipping yours right now. Yes, I am. <laughs> Never have enough. You're, you're on the West Coast, or at least operating under West Coast time, you're an East Coast guy. Is that still weird, no matter how many years later it is? No, we're, we're uh, West Coast now. We've moved about eight years ago uh, out West, first to Vegas, then to L.A., and we have a house in Belize on the beach. Um, look, you're once a New Yorker, always a New Yorker. Uh, hence, everybody's frowning at my Yankee cap all the time. Uh, but, well, uh, listen, I'm but in I- Boston, so we're not even going there, bro, Okay. <laughs> See, that was, <laughs> let's not go down there. Uh, let's not go down that road. But um, yeah, I just got to, well, all my kids moved out West and, and we get out here and said, wait a minute, it's not like damp and, and, and humid and cold and too hot all the time. It's nice. Oh, maybe we'll stay here. So uh, we're adapting. We like the beach. And, uh, but you, it's always, you know, you're always from the East Coast. It doesn't change. You got a lot going on. I see you in a ton of interviews and you've always, the thing I love about you the most, I think is the word unapologetic. You just are who you are. You think what you think, you say what you say. And it's so refreshing in 2021 to have someone like that. Well, thanks for appreciating that. You know, um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. Is it? But I wonder. Sometimes I wonder. I was always like that. But the weird thing is, like when you get older, suddenly they start going, "Oh, he's a curmudgeon." I go, "Wait a minute! I've always been a curmudgeon. <laughs> I was a curmudgeon when I was nineteen. Like, like literally something like that because you're older. Like you're you're always just you just you know you can't really get him to shut up. But um, you know what? I mean, it, it's 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 somebody's got to speak up, and we have people speaking up, and I feel that the minorities are speaking up. I mean, you know, you've got these people who are in Facebook groups who have like 10,000 members and we're a movement. And I'm like, hey, you know what? 10,000 members is a fucking parade. Okay, that's a parade. So march down the street, great, wave your flags, just shut the fuck up because you're not in charge. Yet somehow they think they are. And the majority of the people, and I know the majority are, centrist, left, right, you know, you lean a little here and here, but for the most part, we're in here trying to figure it out. And they seem to go by the phrase, I'm sure it'll work out for the best. 
I, 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 I trust things will be okay. And as Dr. Phil famously said, how's that working out for you? Yeah, right. You know, the whole world's shit in the bed right now. And, uh, and it's not working out. It's time for the true majority to speak up, assert themselves. And, you know, and, and uh, somebody, and I guess I'm, I'm the lead voice there, or one of them. You've always been that guy. I mean, I remember being so proud watching you testify in front of Congress and sitting there as a rock kid, you know, going, yeah, somebody is speaking up for us and look at him. Look at him sitting there in front of all of those suits, hair waving. Like, that was a defining moment for a generation, though, of rock fans growing up that were like, fuck you. Thank, well, you know, thank you. For, it's nice that people appreciate it, and they do. I mean, you know, as not a day goes by, somebody doesn't literally walk down the street and shake my hand and say thank you for speaking out. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those majority of people who don't have a voice. And I also, you know, you may have heard in the press that I, I said that I had considered I was thinking about retiring in 2019 quietly and moving on to other things. And now I'm back again. And, um, but it was through social media that I realized that I'm that guy. You know, somebody said to me, D, we don't all have a platform or a voice like you do. We can't all speak out like you do. What should we do? I said, get behind me. I got this. <laughs> so I, I, but I realized this is my job. You were going to do something quietly. Come on, man. Who are you <laughs> I was. Fooling? I was. I was, well, you know what? There's so much flag waving about retiring. It's just like, you know, we're retiring, you know, in a t-shirt and a, and a Twisted Sister did. I go, how many times can a man say he's leaving? And Twisted really has, you know, we have not even talked or thought about coming back. Uh, and if you'll get that question out of the way, we talk all the time. JJ French is the manager of the band from uh, at this point. And uh, he doesn't even bring us offers and I'm sure he gets them all the time. Never even mentioned, it's never even brought up, and nobody even asks, like, hey, are we getting any offers, any big offers to come back? So, um, so you know, so I just, you know, I thought I was ending, I was going to stop doing this. I mean, I'm directing a scary movie in the next spring. I've written a novel. I've created a, co-created a children's uh, animated series being developed by Peacock. A horror, um, I'm working right now with the creators of the Halloween franchise on a horror television series that I created. So, I mean, I got plenty of things. I'm not going quietly. I just thought that maybe I'd be less on the stage and more behind the camera, behind the lights, you know, writing, creating, and, and producing and directing. Well, you were obviously keeping yourself busy through COVID if you were doing all this writing. And, you know, that that must have been, no matter where you are, everyone kind of has their COVID story about how they were able to keep themselves sane through all of the lockdown and everything. And obviously you were writing a lot. Yeah, I saw the I saw COVID as an opportunity, not that I'm an opportunist, but, you know, as you old take lemons and make lemonade. And there were so many things that I wanted to do writing wise. And I've been working on my writing for decades now. And it's really I'm. I'm, I can write, you know, I really can, and I'm getting better and better. But now there was, I wanted to write my first fictional novel. So I did, and and I wanted to create these, I had these other show ideas and putting together, they call them um, Bibles for TV shows and stuff like that, so that you can present your ideas. And I did. So I, I mean, I woke up every day, and this is true, I still do. And, and I feel like I wake up, and it's a, actually, I hate feeling this way. 
I've got so many things going on in my brain that every, I wake every day and go, oh, damn, I, gotta get, I, I don't have enough time. And it's an awful way to start every day. I'm trying to stop that. But that's how I feel every single day. Uh, there's t- I have so much I want to do that I'm worried that I've, I'm running out of time. Are you- I don't life. I don't mean life. I mean I mean the hours in the day. I still got a you know, few decades left, a couple at least left in me. How how is that balance with you know you famously have this amazingly quote unquote normal family life, which is very strange for the music business. It's not normal. How are you able to balance all of this without your family going, "Hey, can you fucking spend some time with us?" Like. Well, I mean, you know, I, I was I, I I learned those rules a long, long time ago. And maybe that's part of the reason why I feel like the day is running out, because I know, like, you know, going to work, you know, at a certain time I got like I would just work around the clock if I was just alone and by myself. But I know. All right. You know, five, six o'clock, you're putting a pin in it and you're going to spend have dinner with your family and then you're going to you know do something together or go to a movie or just watch, sit and watch some TV. So. I've got the boundaries of how to keep the civility within the family and how to be a family man. But, you know, one of the things that people always say, well, you know, that's such a split personality or whatever the phrases they use. Some people think I'm a phony because, you know, I have such a uh, such an aggressive stage persona, aggressive public persona. And then I'm dad. And um, and I'm actually sort of the mellowest in the family. I have an Italian wife, so it goes it goes from there. And, right uh, here too, dude. I get it. And uh, so, but you know, I, I was sitting with actually Mick Foley. You know, Mick Foley yeah. is the professor, and very good friends. We were having breakfast one day, and we were talking about people's confusion that we present such aggressive personalities during uh, at our jobs, yet we are intelligent, write books. Family men, Mick does incredible charity work and has inspired me to do charity work. Literally, just shame me with the amount of work he does for charity. Really, it did. I just was embarrassed by how much he gives. But we we came up with is, it's like a coin. Coin has two sides, okay, heads and tails, two very different sides. But you can't separate those two sides. They're part of the same coin. The coin doesn't exist with just the two sides. So, and we don't exist without both sides. And I've always said this about heavy metal and wrestling, I think it works as well, is this aggressive uh, type of music and performing for the audience and for the performer really allows us to release those darker emotions. There's a lot of science that backs that up too. It's very cathartic. Anxiety, depression, hostility, a heartbreak, all the, you know, all these very dark emotions have to go somewhere. And the metal community, and I think the horror community, and and the uh, and the wrestling community has found: we yell, we scream, we sweat, we 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 gnaw, we gnash our teeth, and then we walk out smiling. We feel <laughs> better. We're better people. There was a study done on that. You said the science. Yeah. That headbangers are better adjusted adults than non-headbangers. Why? We let it out. The Another great example of exactly what you're talking about is Alice Cooper, who I talked to, and I asked him this very same question. I got married in the height of COVID, and I asked him, and I'm going to ask, huh? Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I'm going to ask you the same thing because you guys are both great examples 
of how to keep a marriage together. So, D. Snyder, please give me some marriage advice, especially for this Italian woman over here, because you know what's going on. I do know what's going on. <laughs> it took me a while to learn some of these lessons. So I, I advise, yeah, so I try to tell younger married couples, dude, just say yes, because they're right almost all the time. And then you just wind up backpedaling and apologizing. My husband's going to hate this. Yeah, well, you know what? Occasionally you guys are very wrong. My wife didn't like, we're not going to take it. All right. So she was as very a- wrong. I wave that like a flag just pretty pretty much every day. And she wanted nothing to do with me. She didn't think we were right for each other. 45 years later, she admits, okay, yeah, we were right for each other. I was right twice. Wow. Congratulations. Big important ones. But but, uh, even more so, the the big thing is that you need to uh, recognize it's a work in progress. It is not set, set it and forget it. It is not going to just always be the same. Life changes, things happen, affect us greatly, and you got to grow together and grow with each other and not grow apart. And great things happen, and then horrible things happen that you never saw happening. And, and uh, in my wife's case, her brother was murdered on the streets of New York, and that was life-changing for her, for all of us. And, and, and I remember thinking, well, this is for better, for worse right here. You know, what are you going to do? Because it's not happy days right now. You just you know, pack up your bags and leave. Or do you get in and you, and you work work through it because it was a torturous time for her. So um, and, and you know and and certainly I've had my she has worked through things with me as well. <laughs> but trust me, yeah, you I'm seem not, like quite a handful. Exactly. I said, why? Sometimes I said, why are you screaming at me? She goes, because you don't fucking hear me. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't really. <laughs> so. I've always, I've always wondered, and I just hope that it happened somewhere. Have you ever bumped into Tipper Gore in a, in a social situation ever? Please tell me yes. I have never. Oh. Since the day we glared at each other in those Senate chambers, um, uh, she, you know, Frank Zappa went out and he did like things with her and word, the story goes that, and actually I'm going to talk to Dweezil on a podcast. So I'm going to ask if it's true, but that the Gores went out with the Zappas for dinner. I mean, I've heard rumors thereof. Um, never, ne- never, never, never. And uh, they probably don't want to go out with me because I'm always like shaking it in their faces going, oh, by the way, Gores, you're divorced. Me and my wife are married 40 years this October. Don't throw stones at glass houses when you live in one. And how you is know? Cardi B's WAP? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so, uh, yeah, the, you know, I mean, one of the things I'm proudest of, and I think you reflected on this in the beginning, and I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back because, but everything I've ever stood for back then, everything I said before the Senate that day, I've lived and still adhere to those principles. And so many of my peers, um, I'm very disappointed how flexible they've been with their opinions. Like, you know, it's like who they were when they were struggling young musicians has changed greatly once they had money. And suddenly they're watching Fox News and they're, you know, and they're right wing. And, you know, and I'm like, you were like a socially conscious, like kid at one point. And now you're like, Mr. You know, oh, let them eat cake. You know, suddenly you're Marie Antoinette, you know. um, So I have stood by, believed in everything, lived it. I would love to go back and testify again and show that that I'm still the person that I was and I still stand by everything I said that day to the, to this day. 
I'm really curious about your writing, and I bring it up because I want to talk to you about songwriting and song construction because you have your new album out, and um, I'm fascinated by the process of songwriting, and I'm envious of the skill because I don't have it. Can you tell me a song or a couple of songs that are, to you, great examples of perfect songwriting from any genre, any artist, whoever it is, and give me an example of a song you wish you wrote. Wow. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. Well, look, you know, I mean, born to run. I've got, to, I've got, a, I've got a playlist called Epic, you know, and it's just like these certain songs that just, that and and you'd be surprised the spectrum that they'd be on. Um, Welcome home, sanitarium, uh, by Coheed and Cambria. Um, you know, and and there's a song on that list that um, I, I that with great chagrin, I say is a perfect song, and I wish I wrote it. And I can't stand the fact that I feel that way about this song. Wanted dead or alive by Bon Jovi. <laughs> I, it's just, I can't deny my wife. I'm always giving, I have on my motorcycle helmet, there's a Bon Jovi, says Bon Jovi, and there's like a Ghostbusters sign through it, you know? And my wife says, you're just jealous because he's better looking to you and more successful. <laughs> and I had, and again, under the heading of she's always right, I went, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's jealousy. He used to be hanging out in the clubs watching Twisted Sister in New Jersey. And I used to make fun of him because he would stand by the bat, ladies' bathroom so, because that was the place where all the girls eventually had to go by. Smart move. So, it, it was the move. Fish where the, the fish are, isn't that what they say? Every every girl eventually would have to go to the bathroom. So he'd be like, "How you doing?" He'd be like, "How you doing?" And I would like bust his balls. What you doing over there? You, I didn't know who he was, but I, he told me, and I said, "Oh, it was you." Um, but wanted dead or alive. It's just just an amazing song. I wish I wrote and uh, and uh, you know, and it's just. So well-constructed, top to bottom. It's great. I watched during the lockdown the Bee Gees documentary, and I had such empathy. I know you're shaking. But but there was such a, a, a shift in music that happened right there in the documentary about how all of a sudden they were kings of the world, and the next day they were they were persona non grata and we're celebrating the 30th anniversary this year of all of these seminal albums the, these first grunge records and and you know the black album and all of that that kind of shift took place 30 years ago where all of a sudden that 80s fun metal became not in favor anymore and you had to live through that too now it seems wait go ahead no, no I was just to say there was a day where you basically got, a, you know, they, I, I believe it was a hand-delivered letter that I had to sign for, kind of like a subpoena. Uh, and it said, I opened it and it said, we're not doing what you do anymore. We're not looking like you. We're not sounding like you. We're not performing like you. We're not writing like you. It's over. And I turned around and I saw my three children and my wife and the bank account was running out quickly and it was like what now never, I never thought that that moment could happen but that is one of those moments it's crazy and now the world is starting to recognize that you know maybe in that moment they threw the baby out with the bathwater right that there was so much great music that came out of that era that 
they were a little hasty, especially when you talk to all of those bands that have come that quote listening to Twisted Sister and all of those other bands that is what inspired them to become musicians in the first place. Yeah, I mean, no one was more shocked, I think, by that reaction to their new music or whatever then nirvana alice in chains Soundgarden, pearl jam they grew out of the hair metal era and although they may have rejected certain aspects of it they still this was their inspiration i was reading cobain's diary and and in it he was just so just more a he referenced he referenced the teen spirit video as being a twisted sister video uh you know the high school the whole the whole nine yards and he said, they're talking about, you know, corporate rock sucks and hair rock sucks. He goes, it smells like Teen Spirit is, is, um, is, a, is Boston's, uh, it was a, the, the, like it out of a big hit, the first, um, more than a feeling. Dan, 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 dan. Think about it, people. That's, that is, that is smells like Teen Spirit. And we've and, learned recently that Dave Grohl ripped the drum line off from that, from the 70s disco era. And, you know, and again, and, and Grohl was incredibly respectful of all music and whatever. So it really wasn't the bands that rejected a whole, you know, would reject wholesale things. It was first the critics who label things. Oh, that was then. This is now hair metal grunge. The grunge bands, first early grunge bands hated being called grunge, as did heavy metal bands, hair metal bands, jazz that was these were all derogatory terms assigned by critics to try to diminish what was happening, to make it seem less than just music, great music. I was just watching a documentary on Bob Dylan, amazing. And I'm not a Dylan fan, but very curious. And he was getting labeled with his folk this and protest that. And and and, and he was all, I'm just singing. I'm just writing songs. I, you know, he did not view himself as some sort of game-changing profit, he, he was very confused by all the labels that were being put on him. I love that you've got a new album out, your fifth, and it's called Leave a Scar, and that it's everything is getting printed on vinyl again. So everything in your career has all come back full circle again. Yes, people love vinyl. I, it's funny. I love the uh, I love the fact that my phone has like gazillion. I'm much happier here. I it's carry, not portable. That that's there's a reason why cassettes came in because you couldn't take your albums with you. And, and then like now, everybody's like going back. Oh, the old days. It's like bikers. Bikers are always talking about rigid frame motorcycle, like the old ways. Let me tell you something, bikers, and I'm a biker. Me too. The, a bikers. Way before they had suspensions, they were dying. And when the suspensions were born, everyone was going, oh, my God, they put shock absorbers. Everyone was so happy because their backs were killing them. And everybody said, that's not a real motorcycle. we got to ride rigid. I rode rigid, okay? Uh, when the first had a bobber built custom, you know, one of those little peanut tanks on it. Couldn't go anywhere. People had to bring gas tanks with us just so I could get places. And I rode it the first day. My teeth were like banging together. It was like, oh my God, this is awful. So I stopped. They said, I said, that was a brutal ride. They said, I ah, don't worry. After 500 miles, your back breaks in. So I was like, your back breaks in? Like, I like this. what's all this? Um, how can people love these rigid so much? Because they think it's, it's romanticized, the LP. But yeah, 
it's available on on vinyl. People love it, and that's great. I me, I want eight tracks. I want to bring back the old eight track. Well, they brought back cassettes with I, which I think is like the most ridiculous thing ever. Again, I think it's people romanticize something about it that they remember or see people in these movies or whatever, you know, triggers like it's so cool seeing these old movies and they've got cassettes and they're putting them, whatever it was. I think, you know, whatever, whatever people, whatever floats your boat, man, whatever floats your boat. It's very hard to make the transition from being on one side of an interview to being on an, the other side of an interview and and there's only a few musicians that have been able to pull it off. You have, obviously, with the radio and podcasting. I always laugh when I interview bands who spend their lives in front of microphones and they have a hard time in an interview. Sometimes <laughs> it suck. It's like the worst. I mean, you get some people on the microphone. And I, I, I fought on my morning show in, in Hartford to get Ian Hunter from the band Mott the Hoople wrote Cleveland Rocks, great songwriter, I'm a huge fan. And my, my morning show team were all younger. They go, who? I said, e- trust me, this guy's written so many great songs. And I ran down the list, so, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, cool. Get them on, all one word answers. All one word answers. So when you hear people, you know, or two, you know, uh, when you hear people playing your songs, how's it make you feel? Hate it. I'm like, Hate it. That's all you got to say. And and every answer was one word. So anyway, you know, yeah. Well, you know, just cause you sing in a mic doesn't mean you can talk in a mic. It's a craft like anything. Look, I've been doing radio for over 25 years now, but I didn't start out like an ace on the microphone. I started out doing a metal show on East End of Long Island, two hours Sunday nights. And um, I remember the first night I put on, uh, I put on There Goes a Neighborhood by by body count, not because I'd seen it on MTV, not knowing that it had been since edited. And I put on the real deal and the and Ice T, Ice T yes, so starts cursing his brains out. I panicked and turned down the studio speakers and sat there alone in the room while this profanity played out. You know, moments later the hotline rang. <laughs> I pick it up like I love Hello. this story so much. Hello, and it's my it's my program. So I go, D, what did you just do? <laughs> I just turned down the volume in the studio. Like that was solving the problem. <laughs> you know, to the neighborhood. They were there almost went my first gig in radio. So we've all but, done it at one point or another, all of us. But anyway, but yeah, it, it's it, it's a, it's a craft that you develop, and and I feel blessed to have found radio. That was one of the things I found when they let me know that they weren't doing my music anymore. I was like, well, now what? So that's when I started doing that, you know, show and just trying to develop some other, start doing, people say, hey, you got a great voice. Well, just because you have a great voice doesn't mean you can read copy. So I started learning to read copy and going out for auditions. And eventually, you know, I've got a voiceover career as well, but you don't just, it just because you throw a football doesn't mean you can be a rocket scientist. You know, they're two very different jobs and a scientist can't go on to the, uh, you know, and play football necessarily. So you got to work on those crafts. It doesn't mean you're Tom Brady either. No, exactly. And Tom <laughs> doesn't do anything else except just uh, prove everybody wrong. I mean, I mean, you know, everybody's like, so everybody just, yeah, again, you know, I'm a New York guy. So, you know, you know, oh, I, I know. get 
Yeah, and, and even I gotta say, all right, you know, you know, so yeah, it's all about you know, it's all about the coach, it's all about his team. If he didn't have the team behind him, he'd be nothing. And then he goes down by himself down to Florida, and then he wins the Super Bowl. And goes, and you were saying like, oh yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe it was you. Okay. It's kind of like that Bon Jovi axe you had to be. It's like, yeah, and he's attractive. And his- I say you just hate him because he's handsome. Oh, yeah, more successful. You're right. You're right. I hate him because he's handsome. You know, <laughs> I, I love the fact that with all of the different challenges and everything, you have diversified your career and stayed true to yourself. And you give me hope that things... You, you found a way to maintain some level of optimism. So my last question for you is, D. Snyder, is it all going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? I truly believe it is. We will have to go through some pain and suffering. Uh, and that's always been historically. You know, the album cover for Leave a Scar, um, if you've seen it, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's got a chained scarred human heart and it's it's it blood pouring there's a doorway and blood's pouring down the stairs and really it's really bleak it's very when, uplifting imaging d and when they sent me the art though i loved it i loved it because the artist uh, Mar- marcello was just inspired and he, he painted that overnight you know and he was just heard leave a scar and he, he heard some of the songs he goes oh i got an idea and i loved it but i said marcello could you please put light coming out of that doorway and look at the cover I said, because I believe, I know there's light in the darkness. I know that the, that light at the end of the tunnel is not an oncoming train, okay? I know, and I just want people to know that, and because I am through the other side, I don't need to be screaming and shouting on social media. I'm successful, happy. I've got a great life. I've got houses on the beach. I'm, I mean, and all the things going on in the world barely affect me. I have no kids in school anymore. I mean, you know, it's just me and my wife having a, having a good time. But that doesn't mean there isn't still work to do, and I'm here to do it with you. But yeah, there is hope. I promise you. And I think that there's a certain level of support coming out of the rock community too, right? Don't you feel like that we're this beacon of acceptance and, and like the dregs of society that we all are kind of showing everybody how to do it? They are out there, you know? They are out there. If people just pay more attention to what we're doing in rock and roll. Uh, I think we'd, the world would be a better place. But, you know, I mean, uh, here's we could talk forever, and I've got to go on my next interview. There was a book out called um, Heavy Metal Islam. Great book. And the book was about how in the Middle East, where there's some of the worst tension and issues in, historically forever, there is a metal community that crosses all borders, all countries, everything, and they're unified in their love for heavy metal. And while everybody's fighting in the streets, there's this metal community that gets along perfectly well through music and their love of music. And it just shows what, you know, the power of music. And now I sound like a damn hippie. All right, I'm a hippie, (laughs) but I'm a gun-carrying hippie. That's right. Oh God, Vice called me, Vice called me a gun-toting feminist. And I wear that badge proudly. You're a rough, tough cream puff, D. Snyder. Exactly. Don't get in my way on my rigid frame motorcycle because my back hurts. Congratulations on the new record. And, you know, keep keep being an unapologetic, honest voice. Even if people don't agree with you, they have to respect the fact that you're willing to speak your mind and back it up. Fine with that. Just don't tell me to shut up. (laughs) Dee, thank you so much. Take care of yourself, mistress. Pleasure. See you later. 
There he is, the one and only D. Snyder. How many cups of coffee do you think I needed just to be able to keep up with him? His new album, Leave a Scar, is available everywhere. And there's links to find D. Snyder everywhere online in the show notes of this podcast. You're also going to find the link to the corresponding playlist where you can find all of the music that we talked about in this episode. Huge thanks once again to our sponsors, Digital Federal Credit Union at dcu.org and bluechews.com. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, and every weekday you get the Situation Report. The Sit Rep is all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. And if you don't mind, give us a five-star review and leave a comment so I know what you thought of the episode. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. And don't forget to shop in the official online Mistress Carrie store at mistresscarry.com. You'll find everything from t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, coffee mugs, pint glasses, and even badass baby onesies. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence. But since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that. Constantly. All night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.